You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, the Gospel text is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, a famously beautiful sermon that Jesus gives on this mountain that overlooks the Sea of Galilee. But while this sermon is indeed beautiful, it is also terrifying. We hear it in these words. Jesus Himself says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Just imagine this, to sit down and hear a sermon from this rabbi that you've heard so much about. The day is beautiful. The seagulls are flying overhead. There's dew on the grass. The ground is soft. And your curiosity is ready for something to consider. And then you hear that. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. This sentence explodes like a bomb. For you know the, you know the Pharisees. They were the righteous of the righteous. They were the ones that had dedicated themselves to keeping God's law. From the moment they woke up in the morning until they closed their eyes at night, their thoughts were only of this, keeping God's law, or at least keeping the laws that they had built to prevent them from breaking God's law. You see, the Pharisees had, had, um, they had gone even beyond what the Lord's Word said. They, they had the Ten Commandments, but they understood these commandments to merely be referring to the outward act of a thing. So, you shall not murder to the Pharisees, meant only that you should not end the life of your neighbor, and not much more. The commandment didn't set you to care for your neighbor. It didn't, it didn't set you to love your neighbor. <clears throat> it didn't say anything about speaking kindly or not being angry or not hurling insults or anything like this. The Pharisees understood it to mean don't end the life of your neighbor. And then the Pharisees had proceeded to build what they called a hedge around the commandments, which was a further set of rules and standards that would prevent them from getting even cl- even close to breaking the law. You know, uh, the picture is if you go to a museum and they'll have a line on the ground, some sort of yellow or red line on the ground, and you're not supposed to go past that line. So that line won't even let you get close enough to touch or spill your coffee on whatever kind of thing you're not supposed to touch. This is how it is with the Pharisees. They had, they had drawn these lines around the commandments so that you couldn't even get close. So, for example, the Lord said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And the Pharisees didn't even want to get close to working on Saturday. So they went and determined the number of steps you could take on Saturday. The amount of weight that you could carry in your hand or in your pocket. What to do, this was a big discussion amongst the Pharisees. What would you do if you had an apple in your hand and your hand was out a window, was out the window when the sun went down and now all of a sudden it's the Sabbath? Can you bring... Uh, could you bring your hand into the window? That, after all, would be delivering food. <laughs> Can you drop the apple? That would be planting an apple tree. <laughs> You're stuck. My favorite was the debate that the Pharisees had about where you could spit on Saturday. Because if you spit on the dirt, you might risk watering a plant. You could, it was allowable to the Pharisees, spit on the rocks. <laughs> now, this seems silly to us. But it was serious business for the Pharisee. Remember, they were bending their entire being, spending their entire life on keeping the law so that they could be, according to the law of God, 
righteous. And it was serious business for the people as they would read and consider the Lord's Word. And they would look at the Pharisees and their preaching. And the people hearing Jesus would know that if anyone there was righteous, if anyone was righteous enough for God, it was the scribe and the Pharisee. They were the ones who were righteous. So listen again to Jesus' words. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Exceeds. That's a deadly word. To have a righteousness that would match the Pharisees is unimaginable. But to go beyond that, that that's impossible. So that one little word fells us. Exceeds. And you know who would have been especially upset with his preaching? <laughs> the Pharisees. Right? Because Jesus, with this one little word, is saying that their righteousness is not enough. Their goodness and their works and their actions are not enough. This would have pulled the rug from underneath them. And if they would have let it, it would have brought them to a blessed humility. This undermined their entire system. Jesus will go on to explain what he means with this exceeding righteousness with a few examples. And we have, especially for our consideration this morning, Jesus' consideration and discussion of the fifth commandment. These words. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Let's think about this for a bit. There are various degrees of murder, various different ways to break the fifth commandment. We have that uh, both legally and also according to reason. In fact, the Old Testament legal code will make distinctions between one kind of murder and another kind of murder. Murdering a person in cold blood or accidentally murdering someone, manslaughter, or murdering someone in the heat of passion. I imagine it now. I don't know if this will be helpful for your imagination, but in my imagination, it's like a giant thermometer. And at the top is the worst and most gruesome fifth commandment sins. Something like wholesale slaughter by political ruling rulers. Something like the Holocaust or genocide or something like this. And then uh, this kind of legally sanctioned mass murder. And then below that would be just kind of your normal standard mass murderer. Then there's murder on the first degree murder of children, infanticide, and so forth. This is not a complete list, but you get the idea. It gets kind of less and less as it gets down. You have plotted murder, murder in cold blood. Then you have murder out of rage, crimes of passion, and so forth. And then at some point, you actually come down this thermometer to a, a breaking of the fifth commandment that doesn't end in someone being dead, like a, an assault or an attack with a weapon that leaves someone crippled or an assault or an attack with your fists. Then there's fighting. Then there's fighting with your mouth, yelling, having a temper, calling someone a fool, says Jesus. 
And this goes all the way down to the heart where there's anger. And then there's bitterness. Now, as we look at this, we make, and probably rightly, we make a distinction between genocide and mass murder and bitterness in the heart. There's quite a difference between the two. If, uh, the fifth commandment uh, is broken in all of these different ways, but we sort out the, the way that these crimes are uh, differently. And in fact, we deal with each of these crimes differently. We spend astronomical resources to prevent genocide from happening. In fact, the nations of the world do this by gathering together soldiers and having an army to make sure it doesn't happen. We have a police force and judges and courts and a penal system to make sure that murder of the first and second degree and homicide and all of these things don't occur that often among us. And in fact, this, uh, this is where the work that, that, that we do as citizens against, uh, to protect the unborn against abortion is happening, that there would be legal protection for babies that are not yet born. But watch, as these sins get less and less and they get closer and closer to us, there is, in fact, less and less for us to do. So that Jesus says, look, you, you not only break the fifth commandment here and here and here, but you also break it here and here and here. Jesus is pushing us to this place, pushing the Pharisees to the place where they will be sinners and we will be sinners. Now, this doesn't mean that according to the fifth commandment, there's nothing else for us to do beyond murder. No. If you are a brawler and you like to start fights or get in fights, stop. The Lord didn't make your body for violence, but to care for your neighbor. And if you're a brawler, there are things that you can do to fight less. Like, for example, the number one thing on the list has to be to not get drunk. In fact, the Lord's people... Uh, none of us should be drunk. Uh, drunkenness is this dangerous silencing of your conscience, which ends up breaking one of, the, one of the commandments or another. And if you're a brawler, don't be around fools. And don't stay out late. Hardly anything good happens outside of your house after midnight. That's just a general rule. There are things you can do. If you have a temper and you yell and you insult people and you mock them and you provoke them, stop it. The Lord hasn't given you a mouth to curse and to anger, but to bless and to pray and to speak wisdom. Now, especially if your temper is with your family, parent toward a child, or child toward a parent, or husband and wife toward one another, you should know that Jesus calls this murder. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The devil loves it when we have a temper, when we fly off the handle. And I can think of nothing good, nothing at all good ever coming out of having a temper. If you are greedy or loveless or you just generally don't care about your neighbor, stop it. Knowing the Lord's kindness to us, we should help others in their needs. Now, this doesn't always happen like the Good Samaritan, that we're walking down the street and we find someone half dead in the ditch. But we know that there's need all over. And we can think about this. We can pray for the Lord's help. And we can actually give to those who are in need. Opportunity here is boundless. 
We have our own food pantry at the church or supporting the work of LCMS World Relief and Human Care or Lutherans for Life or a thousand other ways that we can that we can care for our neighbor and their bodily need. Now, this is not fulfilling the law, but it's beginning to keep it, and it's good, and we should do it. The United States cannot make a law about being angry, but the Lord has made that law, you shall not murder, and we do well to consider it. There are things that you can do about it. When we see sin in our own lives, there are things that we can do because we're human. And there are things that we can do because we're Christian. We pray. We ask the Lord to show us our sin and soften our conscience. We meditate on the Ten Commandments every day, morning and night. And we let them do the work of digging the specks and the logs out of our eyes. We pray for the Holy Spirit to dwell with us and to teach us what it means to be gentle and kind and caring. We ask for wisdom as the Lord puts before us every day opportunities to love our neighbor. All of these things we can do and all of these things we should do. But the deeper we go and the more we consider our sin, the more the law is unfolded before us, the more we realize that we are desperate sinners. I had the privilege of being up in Estes Park this week and was talking to the youth about this that were gathered there. Imagine this, that you have an onion and that onion has a bad spot on it. Some sort of nasty looking, mushy, purple, hairy spot that you don't want to eat. So you take that layer and you peel it off, hoping to get to the good part underneath. But you peel it off and the spot's even bigger on the next layer. So you peel off that layer and it's even bigger until finally you get down to the very core, to the heart of the onion, and you find that it's rotten all the way, that that's where the sickness is coming from, that it, that it is infected and diseased all the way to the core, to the heart. That is how it is with you. And that is how it is with me. Jesus says, out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. So says Jesus. So that in the end, your heart is the problem. Not your hand and your mouth and your mind, which is bad enough. Not the things that you do and don't do, the things that you say and the things that you think. The infection of sin goes all the way down. So while there is something that you can do about your actions and about your words and even about your thoughts, you can't do anything about your heart. And this is where the law goes. The law with the gloves off. The law doing what Jesus sends it to do, showing you your sin, condemning you, proving that you cannot be righteous. So Jesus takes the law and He pushes it all the way down so that we would be sinners. So that you would be a sinner. 
because Jesus came for sinners. Jesus saves sinners. So that in the end, there is only one way to have a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And it is not to have a righteousness of works. It's not to have a righteousness of obedience. It's not to have the righteousness of keeping God's law like a checklist that we've checked off. The only way to have a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is to have the righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness not of doing, but of believing. The righteousness that Jesus gives to us by faith in His promise that comes to us as a gift in the forgiveness of our sins. The only way to have a righteousness that makes you fit for heaven is not by keeping the law, but by believing in Jesus, by trusting in His promise, by having the absolution, by by coming to the altar. The only way to keep this command to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees is by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And dear saints, you have it. I tell you, says your Jesus, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. If it were up to you to obtain that righteousness, you could never obtain it. But it is not up to you. It's up to Jesus. And He has accomplished it. He is the one who says on the cross, it is finished. And He is the one who says from this altar that this is for you. Jesus has delivered you to His righteousness. To Him be the praise forever and ever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.